And in today's episode, we'll be speaking to Amy Lee Mutton as she talks into her wonderful journey of becoming her own best friend. We'll dive right into it. So what was it like when you were at school? So school for me was quite isolating. Mm. Yeah, in the later years. Um, When I was younger, I didn't realise. So something that I've learned about myself or re-remembered about myself is that as a small person, I was super independent. Uh, I actually asked my mum a couple of months ago what I was like as a baby and as a child. And one thing that she shared with me was that she said, you know, when you're holding a baby and they cling on to you and they, they hold on because they don't want to be dropped. Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't do that. You just sat there like a sack of potatoes and you were so annoying to carry. And instantly, as she said that, I connected to this feeling of innate safety within myself. Mm-hmm. That as a child, I knew that I was safe. Yeah. Another thing that my mum has shared with me is that I would sit in the corner or like I would just sit and be and I would choose when I wanted to interact and otherwise I would just I would sit there and be and I was quite happy in my own company. So when I started school, I assume I, I was quite like that as well, but it was sort of around the age of 10 that I began to realise I didn't have a best friend. Mm-hmm. And I'm using, you know, inverted commas, air commas here around best friend. Yeah. I didn't have this best friend that everyone else had. I didn't have someone to share the best friend necklace with. And... My mum has also shared with me that she used to worry about that in me, that I didn't have this this one person. Mm. And when I reflect on that now, the only reason that I felt that I needed that was because everyone else had that. And mm. society said that you needed to have a best friend. Mm. And I realised that I still have been carrying uh, like this murky frequency around the term best friend. Mm-hmm. Because part of me, you know, my ego has always told me this identity self that I need to have a best friend. There's something wrong with me that I don't. But I've just truly never felt the need to have that outside of myself. So it made schooling isolating. Yeah. Because I just didn't have that. Mm. But then everyone else did. So I felt really lonely in that. Yeah, I can really resonate with that. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's interesting because I've shared that with a few people and a lot of people do. Mm. But at the time of being in that experience, I thought I was the only person in the world that didn't have a best friend. Mm. Yeah. It's funny how we feel alone, isn't it? Yeah. How you came from this knowing, complete knowing, to then as you came into school and that conditioning sort of started to happen, how you started to and go, oh, I need a best friend. What's this about? So, yeah, that's really interesting and it's, you know, segue to what we'll be talking about. Mm. It's perfect. So um, what do you remember during puberty? So puberty for me was this wild initiation that I didn't want. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I got my period on the first day of year eight. (laughs) So I was mortified that I had to leave primary school and go to high school and leave what friends I did have um, and step into this complete unknown realm. There was no one from my primary school going to the same high school as me. So a lot of my friends from primary school were going to the same high school. So again, I was alone. 
they were all taking their little best friend necklaces to the same high school and I was going back to being alone. So Mm. I already felt incredibly isolated and I went to a high school in year eight uh, that was very clicky. And a lot of people at that high school had been in primary school together. So I got home from my first day of year eight and got my period. And I cried and cried and cried. I was just, I mean, at the time, I wasn't like, oh, my God, I'm having an initiation. Mm. But now when I reflect on that, I'm like, what a beautiful initiation I was being offered. But at the time, I was hysterical about it and Mm. actually felt, I'm only really remembering this now, I felt some shame around that. And Mm. I remember, like, one of the girls in a class saying something to me like I think I had a pad in my pocket of my school dress and she said do you have a pad in your pocket don't you use tampons (laughs) and here I am just trying to fit in and have a friend because I had no friends at this school and it was quite early on you know probably only on my second or third period yeah and I'm like I don't know anything about this period stuff like I'm just trying to just trying to survive at this school so I found it I found it quite like even more isolating Mm. even though it's something that every woman experiences again I felt completely alone in it such a natural thing as well yeah 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 so so this beautiful initiation that I was offered on this day this pivotal turning day of of stepping into the next journey of schooling like it was just muddied up with Mm. shame and discomfort and And then linked in with that whole friendship you know like oh I don't have friends now I feel so alone yeah (laughs) yeah that's not nice it's not nice at all and yeah it's I can definitely resonate with the the friend part and not feeling like I had someone who I could lean on during those years that's for sure um so tell me a little bit more about your first romantic relationship what what was that like and I'm going to point out romantic yeah yeah so yeah romance and relationships as two things that coexist didn't Mm. really happen for me until a few relationships or arrangements Mm -hmm. into my my life of relating with men um the first few relationships I like to call them arrangements really (laughs) that I was in were more physically based and Mm -hmm. What, what I can see now reflecting on that was I just deeply wanted to be seen and to be held and to be loved, yeah. to be valued. It definitely wasn't valued <laughs> for anything beyond my physical body. Mm-hmm. And, and I was willing to sacrifice um, my essence and my soul for yeah. that. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was three relationships in that I actually was with someone who cared about me as a person, yeah. as a being, as, as a co-creative person to share life with. Um, so, yeah, that, that was such an interesting time for me. It was a theme that repeated for me into my 20s of going between being in relationships where we were co-creating life and, um, yeah, I've, I've had some really beautiful relationships and then what I call Tinder times, where I was yeah. just like out, you know, obviously later in my 20s when Tinder was a thing, but yeah, just out 
meeting lots of different men and and partying heaps and being a great old time I love to have fun and it's really easy for me to be influenced in the moment into into fun yeah um so I would ebb and flow on this polarity of being single and having a ton of fun and then going into relationships because what I ultimately wanted was to get married to have kids have a white picket fence life and feel Mm -hmm. secure and safe and looked after Mm. and do you feel like those things that you wanted when the white picket fence and everything do you feel that that was a conditioning in itself or do you feel like you still want those things absolutely it was a conditioning in itself yeah so I have no attachment to those things now Mm -hmm. whatsoever yeah um really when I think about my ultimate relationship now we don't have a white picket fence at all we're traveling (laughs) the world (laughs) yeah entrepreneuring around the world um but so yeah it was it was a total conditioning and I did actually get engaged Mm. yay me one year one day (laughs) I survived that that engagement and um oh infinite love and gratitude to that relationship um and to that experience of beginning to plan a wedding and and thinking and feeling into a lifetime yeah supposed you know planned lifetime yeah with someone and even though at the time that I that we ceased to be in a relationship I didn't have the awareness that I do now I can still look back on it and say that was a soul calling to get out and that's something I really want you to talk into so when that relationship was ending um can you talk a little bit into what you realized or what that relationship taught you at the end of it yeah and where it brought you to yeah Yeah. so it ended when we were living interstate Mm. and we moved back to Adelaide and um it ended a month or two after coming back to Adelaide and I think for me what happened was the second I was home I felt safe because I was home Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, the things that I had had when I was interstate that were keeping me safe, being this relationship, I didn't need that as much anymore because I had this safety of being home mm. and it just opened the veil enough for me to peek through and see that this wasn't really a decision or a, a life choice that I wanted or needed to make. I felt safe enough to let the relationship fall away Mm. because I wasn't in a relationship with someone that truly valued me. Yeah. Yes. I could have made it work. Mm -hmm. And you know, I I reflect on that relationship and for 95% of it, it was beautiful. Like I would call it mediocre now, but (laughs) it was, it was standard, you know, like Mm. we would go and do things on the weekend. You know, we both had jobs. We had a lot of fun together but our fundamental core values were not aligned Mm. and yeah, it just wasn't, it wasn't what my soul was calling me for. And I feel like that safety that I felt when I came home was this opportunity that my soul went, yes, now we can show her. Mm. We're going to, we're going to turn this light up a little bit and get her to feel and see that she doesn't have to make this decision because we've got a message on our hearts that we need to share and it's never going to come through in this lifetime Mm. if this is the choice that's made. Mm. So, yeah, I just felt safe enough to let it fall away. Mm. Mm. And and I remember there was a point in your life that you mentioned about um, 
needing to be like you wanted to save the relationship and then you realized you know all of obviously this in hindsight yeah but can you talk into that a little bit of course so that was earlier in my 20s I um I was in a relationship with a man who well we were so young with a boy (laughs) (laughs) there's a big difference I was just a girl um (laughs) with a guy who was moving overseas for sport Mm -hmm. and when we got together it was like a year away and I was like, it's fine. Like, we're in love. Like, we're totally going to move overseas together. That's what I, my 22-year-old self told me. <laughs> and as the relationship progressed, I was like, that's not right for me. It's not actually right for me to pack up my life and move overseas. And it's not right for him. Mm-hmm. This is probably more of a hindsight, but it wouldn't have been right for him to have me follow him across the world. So, but I loved him and he was my everything in my world. And because I was chasing this dream of, marriage and kids and I wanted that at 25 and I was like 22 pushing 23 I was watching the clock Mm -hmm. here I am at 33 celebrating my independence (laughs) and um I just felt like part of me was tearing open inside Mm. that I had no control over and I didn't know how to survive it and I remember I still have this crystal clear visual of him leaving my apartment and I was on my bed crying Mm. not crying with a couple of tears screaming like literally i can actually still connect to the physical pain that i that that girl me at that Mm. time was feeling of like what do i even do like it was almost like what i would imagine exorcism to be it was just like watching him walk out that door and also connecting to the pain in his eyes of i love her but i can't deal with this Mm. He was a couple of years younger than me, so I think he was only 21. Mm-hmm. Really beautiful, loyal man. And so after he left, I remember going for a walk around the block and being like, Amy, you've got to get your shit together. Like, A, this isn't you and this this isn't fair. And I thought, if I'm going to save this relationship, if this relationship has any chance, I need to do so. I need help. Mm. And I'm so grateful that I had that moment of clarity and... I took myself to the GP mm-hmm. the next day, a GP I'd never been to. I don't even know why I went where I went because it was ages away from where I lived, but divine intervention. Had this beautiful GP. She made me fill out all the questionnaires that you do if you, mm-hmm. you know, you've got some mental health things going on. She mentioned the words about taking um, medication and I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. I'll go and see a psychologist, but I'm not taking any medication. So I went to see the psychologist and burst into tears the second I sat down but felt safe I wasn't crying because I was fearful I was crying because I was relieved to be finally doing something about it mm-hmm. the psychologist also spoke to me about medication and I was like I'm so anti the idea like I, it was a hard no for me and she said you know if you had a kidney problem and you could take a tablet to help with that would you and I was like of course I would if you had a heart problem and you could take a tablet to deal with that, mm. like, would you? I said, you know, of course I would. She said, well, you know, you've got this chemical imbalance and I can work with you if you don't take medication, but, um, you know, I really feel like it would benefit you. Mm. And she was just so loving and so nurturing and I felt really safe and I, I did take the medication and I'm actually really glad that I did. Mm. I took it for four years and knowing what I know now about 
alternative and integrated wellness and health, mm-hmm. I wouldn't make that same decision for the version of me that I am now. Yeah. Um, there was there was a pivotal moment um, that you shared. If you can yeah. share what what yeah, she yeah, shared with absolutely. you and how that sparked something absolutely. in you. Yeah, definitely. I just yeah on that medication front, I just want to round off that. Yeah, yeah, by, of course. Yeah, I'm really grateful that I took them, but that there are other options for for that. But that you know, if that is an option that's available to people, I think with a plan to not be on them forever, it's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, yeah, so in in our time together, I worked with her for probably about six months, and I feel like I can't recall a lot of what she said. Uh, but one thing that she did say changed my life. And it didn't really change my life in that moment. It planted a seed Mm, that I now... Seeds. A seed seed that is the tree that I now live my life by, Mm -hmm. which is, uh, she said to me, Amy, you need to be okay regardless of who is in your life. Yeah. And it it initially triggered me because it triggered the whole, I'm not enough, I'm going to get left. You're basically telling me, that I have to be okay alone because everyone's going to leave me. Mm. And she's like, no, no, no. You could end up in a relationship with someone who loves you so much that would never, ever, ever, ever leave you, that would always do right by you, and they still may be gone tomorrow. Yeah. And you have to still be okay. And... It did land for me in that moment. Yeah, full mic drop moment. Yeah. <laughs> it did land for me in that moment to the extent of it helped me understand what my journey was with her at that time and it helped me understand that I had to be okay when my partner left to go overseas. Yes. Um, how I dealt with that was quitting my own job moving into state. I was like, <laughs> well, I'm not sitting around here waiting for you. Um, so the way that that has dropped for me now is – yeah, it's not about people leaving you. It's not actually about anybody else at all. It's about this deep relationship that we yeah. must cultivate with ourselves to live harmoniously. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, well, some really big mic drops there. Massive mic drops, especially yeah. at 23 and like in the shitstorm that was my life at that time. Yeah. I didn't have the awareness to grasp the depth of what she was saying. Yeah. But it's such a beautiful metaphor as well for the seeds that are planted along the way. You know, it it took me almost a decade to really embody what she shared with me in that moment. And it's that, it's that embodiment piece. It's that along our journey, I'm sure there's many times that you can remember and recall. And for me as well, like mentally you hear things over and over and over again. And it's not until we fully uh, experience that and, and it drops in the body that we fully embody and then that turns into wisdom. Yes. And we can only ever, yeah. you know, feel something or yeah. something can only become wisdom once we've actually felt it within the body and experienced it, yeah. whether it's just an emotion in the moment or whether it's an actual physical experience. Yeah. I just feel so, to add to that too, that mm. the feeling of it is allowing yourself to feel it. Yes. Because often to feel it and have that piece land, you actually have to walk through the fire. Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah. Like you can know, I know so many people that know all of the things, they have an abundance of knowledge, Yeah, but they're not 
like embodying mm. this knowledge that they have and maybe to actually embody it there's a wall that needs to be let down and that feels yeah. like walking through the flames yeah yeah that's a really good point and i guess that then leads into you know that feeling of i remember personally for myself that it was this fear of oh my gosh i'm feeling these emotions i don't know what to do with it and i would block them mm. and that's when my addictions and everything sort of started it was this this point in my life where i realized oh my gosh i can't feel what i'm feeling so therefore i need to medicate it down i need to you know do anything like food i used to eat food to medicate it down so there was all different ways that i did that and so i guess it's one of those things where it'd be interesting to know for yourself you know it's it's by what you've said there's been points in your life where you've definitely seeked outside of yourself yeah. um for that fulfillment or to fill that void within you um and so yeah it'd be interesting to hear about how that has played out in your life yeah. if you can yeah. yeah absolutely i think really up until 12 months ago and even you know even in saying that it's probably more recently than that um that i sought everything outside of me mm. you know it's, we've touched on it in this conversation already about seeking through physical connection with men but it's so much more than that as well it's Absolutely. like it's friendships it's seeking outside of yourself because of the way that you dress like you go and drop the 200 dollars that you can't afford on the dress that you want to wear out on saturday night for whether that's to impress a guy, to impress your friendship group, or to impress yourself, mm. it's still this external validation. Yeah. Or it's like this this need to work at a certain place, this need to earn a certain amount of money, this need to, you know, eat a certain thing or whatever and tell everybody about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, was really living this life, like I think a lot of people do, of literally every single thing every single need was being met externally from myself yeah there was no ability to the words that's coming is self-soothe mm-hmm. to be with self mm-hmm. and i think that even that is this continuously evolving journey because what i sit with now is deeper than what i would have sat with even a month ago yeah two months ago yes. six months ago 12 months ago like yeah and to let yourself be in that evolution yeah. yeah yeah and it is it's that trusting yourself enough and becoming your own best friend to go you know what it's okay yeah it's okay to feel nothing's going to happen if you let it just flow through yeah so it's about recreating this foundation yeah or this safety within you to actually go you know what i've got your back and you can go through these emotions and it's going to be okay mm. and i feel like that's you know really what you're yeah it's you an know. important question to ask yourself mm. is um about your why about your motivation strategy yeah so we spend you know, I spent years never questioning why I was wearing what I was wearing or like, who is it really for? What's, what's mm. really underneath that? Cool. And what's really underneath that? So I think when you start this journey, it's about really asking yourself those questions. And the key with it though, is to do it with love and to do it with acceptance. Because if you're going to ask yourself a question and your ego is going to throw a judgmental answer at you and throw salt in the wound, 
that's not helpful. Mm. It's to be really kind and compassionate and gentle with yourself and, you know, accept that, yes, you've been doing things out for, for external validation and that's okay. Yeah. Because that's part of the human experience. And, you know, it's also okay if I'm like, God, I really want to, you know, see this person. Okay, well, why? Because I actually want some company. I want something outside of myself. That's okay. It's just about having awareness over what your expectation is. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And that need versus the want as well. Like, does this person, can they give me something right now or can I give that to myself as well? Yeah. Really asking yourself and going in, actually, do I need this person or do I want them right now? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess um, it would be really interesting to know in terms of, you know, that we each have an inner child within us and you from a very young age, you were talking about how you really had a deep knowing of who you were and then you went through this journey of conditioning and so you've come back to almost like peeling back all the layers. So, like, we, we are the diamond. We have dirt that's built up around us. And that's all the conditioning. And then you start to chip away at that dirt to come back to that diamond. And so it'd be uh, really, if you can speak into yourself and your inner child and how your inner child now feels and maybe how you've actually come to heal her. Yeah. My inner child is so cute. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure she is. She's so adorable. Quite often, most of the time, she's wearing like a long sleeve white top with overalls or like, I don't know, but she's very adorable. And um, so I visit her often and I had this really beautiful journey or meeting with her after a medicine ceremony a few months ago. And she... The song that was playing was that payer song, Blessed Are We, and it says, like, remember why you came here. And I said to her, like, why did we come here? So when you say, sorry, ceremony, was this in one of your... Yeah. uh, What sort of ceremony is it? Cacao ceremony. Cacao, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I said to her, why did we come here? And she looked up at me with this big smile on her face and in her eyes and said... To be loved, silly. (laughs) And I was like, oh, well, what do we have to do? And she grabbed my hand and she said, nothing. You just have to be. And she took my hand and off we walked into the white light. And it was so profound. Wow. Um, And that was just an inward sort of... It was just an inward journey with myself in, in this state. So it was so powerful that... This, this small child within me knew yeah. that my message and my mission in this life is to come here and be love. And I find that so much in my work with, I was going to say with women, but really with everyone is when people work with me, they feel this essence of love from me. Yeah. And they feel love. I had someone say to me, I feel more loved by you than I've ever felt by my own mother. And I said, yeah, and that actually has nothing to do with me as a being. Like that is because the essence that I carry and that I mirror back to you is that of pure love. And it's not me. It's the love inside of you that recognizes that in me. And you feel it within yourself. Yes. That reflection. Yeah. That beautiful reflection. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I guess for me, inner child work and healing is, um, I think people experience their inner child differently. Some people, when they visit their inner child, they're quite upset. And I suppose when, when mine is feeling upset, it's those wounds of, of not being enough. Yes. And feeling anxious about having to look after everybody else is yes. a big one for me. Um, so really just visiting, visiting her and, and loving her. We can go back and visit ourselves at any stage of yeah. our journey. Um, time's not linear in the reality of the energetic world without going too far into that. <laughs> but we can go back and, and give love to those former parts of ourselves. And what we're really doing in that is accepting. Yes, accepting those parts of ourselves not closing the door on them and pretending they didn't happen and trying to move on and and be okay Mm. and get on with life we're going back and accepting that and loving 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 those parts of ourselves and thanking you know when i connect to some of my teenage years and in my 20s like thank you thank you sweet girl for doing what you had to do to survive in that moment like i Mm. love you and i'm here for you now and i I hold you and I see you in what you're experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. It's deep mm. and it's very nurturing and it's very gentle and it's um, it's a very different – It's if we talk about masculine and feminine, it's very that really healthy feminine flow. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's being a nurturing. Nurtured. It's, it's yeah. a divine mother type energy um, yeah. that, of course, both men and women can and, and should do and it's so much – when we think of the opposite, yeah. which would be for me to go back and think about some of the shit that I did when mm. I was in my 20s and younger, and I could go back to that and be like, wow, she was a bitch. What a <laughs> fuck up. Like, mm. she shouldn't have done that to that person. Mm-hmm. She, you know, and go back with criticism and with yeah. judgment. Yeah. And that just perpetuates the separation. But really in that moment, I was doing the best that I could with the knowledge and awareness. That's it. And when I give myself permission to love myself enough to do that, I actually give it to everyone else as well. If I want to accept for myself that I was doing the best I could with that knowledge and awareness, so was everyone else. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what a journey. Mm. It's been just incredible to hear your story and your take and I can resonate so much with it all. Mm. Um, I guess to finish up today... What would be really amazing to uh, talk into mm-hmm. is just what you believe or what does it mean to truly love yourself? Yeah. Because we can say and we can use the words, yeah, I love me. Yes, I love me. And do the complete opposite of that. Yeah. So what would you, what's your take on truly loving yourself? Yeah. So two parts. One is acceptance and the second is being your own best friend which Mm -hmm. is is really what we're talking into today so acceptance is just yeah like accepting all parts of you accepting that you are a divine being and that you're perfect and and not with sort of like this um broad brush oh yeah of course i accept myself like this really loving it has to be loving and it's a journey. It's not something that the actual moment of acceptance is instant. Although even in saying that it's, it's different portions of your life. You, be, you accept different patches of yourself over a period of time, yeah. but there's a journey to get to that. It's this constant showing up for yourself, this constant showing up for your inner child. Um, 
with love and with acceptance yeah. and you heal a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more um and yeah the second piece is to be your own best friend and what i did when i started that journey was created an avatar like version of myself mm -hmm. which i would now refer to as my highest self yeah and i guide people through this practice and through this meditation of actually meeting their higher self yeah and meeting themselves as their own best friend and like looking at what are the differences when you see yourself as your higher self and as your own best friend this like wildest dreams of what you could possibly imagine yourself to be mm -hmm. what are the, the, the differences between who you are today and this person this being yeah and closing the gap and also around self-talk because this is just so important a massive penny that dropped for me about a year ago was i would never ever say the things i say to myself about myself to or about my best friend yes or a person that i'm close to anybody that i'm close to and that i love or really any other being yeah yet we walk around saying the most horrible things to ourselves about ourselves mm -hmm. now the relationship we have with ourselves is the longest relationship we're going to have in this lifetime yeah and it's about time that we started loving ourselves mm. and and a thing that i really like to encourage people to do as they start to make this journey to build that relationship with their best friend and close that gap is talk to them ask what they would do you know if eating is something that you don't feel that you show up for yourself and love yourself very much in that area it's like what would like i would say what would amy do what would highest self amy do in this moment mm. would she choose the burger and fries or would she choose the roast vegetables mm -hmm. And, you know, in boundaries, making decisions for yourself around friends. Like, is it the best thing for me to do to hang out with this person? What would a higher self Amy choose yeah. for me to become that avatar? And then just being really accepting with yourself. Like, accept that you're human mm. and that this is a journey, that it doesn't happen overnight. No, you know, I still have a long way to go. But I think part of the reason that kind of feels like i don't is because i have that radical acceptance that i'm on a journey yes never ending and where i'm at right now is where i'm at and i'm in a different place in five minutes mm -hmm. in five days like we have to be prepared in every moment to let everything die yes every moment wow. in every moment let everything die and change you have the choice in every moment to change yes and allow yourself to do that. Don't hold yourself ransom to who you were. If I held myself ransom to who I was 12 months ago, two years ago, mm. through, like, you know, we get to change and evolve. Yes. And being radically loving and accepting with yourself, for mm. me, is true self-love. It's not all about the, you know, like, massages are great and pedicure days are great and, you know, yes, I love myself. I can, you know, buy this dress because I love it. Great, do that. Mm. But do it with this deepest intention of meeting and coming into union with your highest soul self. Absolutely. And and uh, this this little thing that I came up with um, years ago, uh, I must have heard it somewhere, but it was basically marry yourself before you marry anyone else. I am so glad that you have just said that. So I yeah. have a ring on my hand. Yes. On my wedding finger. Yep. That says love. 
Yes. And I bought this in Bali 12 months ago when I started this journey of becoming my own best friend. Yeah. And can I just quickly share the thing about the letter? Of course. Okay, great. Because I did the same thing in 2011 in Italy. Oh, I bought myself a commitment ring to myself. (laughs) Amazing. So when I was in Bali last year, I went away for a month Mm -hmm. to go on a soul journey. Yeah. And while I was there, a letter fell out of my journal. And it was written to me by a beautiful friend of mine. And she'd written it about five months earlier for my birthday. Yeah. And I sat there and I was I was devastated. I was in a really, really low place. Mm-hmm. And I read this letter and she just wrote the most beautiful things about me. And I realized that I didn't believe a single word that she had said. And I thought, how sad is that? That my mm. beautiful friend who I love and trust has taken the time to share her thoughts and feelings with me. And I can't even accept them. I can't even believe them. Mm. I was like, God, that's really ungrateful. <laughs> that's a bit judgmental as well of myself, isn't it? It shows sort of where I was at at that time. Um, but I went in that moment, you know what? You've got a month here in Bali. You are going to learn how to be your own best friend. You're going to take yourself out on dinner dates every day. Mm-hmm. You're going to like go on tours and like, be with yourself. It can be fun. Walk along the yeah. beach and, and just really come to know yourself. Mm. And then I was in Ubud looking at jewellery and whatever and I saw this love ring and I just went, I'm wearing that. I'm wearing love on my wedding finger because that is what I'm committed to. Yeah. That's the relationship that I'm in and love is in all things. Love is all things. Love is in all things. Yeah. It is of all things. It is the basis of all things. And when we are in contact with that frequency, there's no room for anything else. When we can learn to find that seed of love within us, that that is us, Mm. and we shine that from the inside out, we don't actually need protection. When we have that inner knowing and that inner trust and that that place to fall inside of ourselves, we don't need armors and shields. Yeah. There's also no room left in our vessel and in our energetic field for any frequencies of lower vibrations. Yeah. Because we're, we're from the inside out just glowing. Oh, absolutely. And it's life. funny how this society uh, in the world that we live in, it's like whenever I heard, used to hear the word love, I would think to myself, oh, that must be like a romantic partner. You yeah. know, that must be someone that I'm going to end up with. Or yeah. that was all I thought love was. But yeah, love so. is everything. Love is being, you know, loving your mother loving the couch, loving, you know, loving the flower. It's in everything. Yeah. Um, so that's a really nice way to end up. It is. And it's been awesome. It has been. Having a chat with you. It's been really special. Thank so, you so much. Thank you for sharing. My pleasure. Yeah. Mm-hmm.